Turn your Bible, please, to Joshua, the 24th chapter. <clears throat> Joshua, chapter 24. This wonderful music this morning has been such a blessing. Thank you, choir, Brother Jim. Thank you, Brother Bob. And uh, we just are debtors as we enter into a service like this of worship and love. Our hearts have gone out this past week <clears throat> to Mrs. Sue Brown in the death of her beloved father, Brother Harold Boaz. The beautiful flowers at the memorial table are placed in, her honor, uh, in his honor today by the family. We're glad Brother Bob is able to be back with us. Miss Sue is still in Paducah, and we want to continue to remember them in prayer. May we bow together before the Lord. Our Father, we thank Thee for this time together to study the wonderful Word of God. We're grateful for all we have learned during the past week as Brother Chuck and Miss Layla shared with us in song and Brother Chuck in the message of the Word. We pray that our hearts right now would be prepared to receive this challenge. May we look upon it as a message from God. We pray that anyone in this place who is not saved will come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Joshua, beginning in chapter 24, verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, that's the Euphrates River, or before they came out of Ur of the Chaldees, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I want to underscore the fact that Joshua loved the people he was speaking to. It was nearly time for him to go home. He would not be with the people very, very much longer. He had nurtured them from the early years. He had been one of the original spies to go into the land of Canaan 40, maybe 50 years earlier. And he came out along with Caleb with a good report saying, we're well able to conquer the land. The ten spies said, we can't do it. The two said, we can. But they listened to the majority report and they did not do it. Wandered aimlessly for 40 years. And then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died and Joshua became the leader. He led them across the Jordan River up to Jericho, to Ai, to Bethel, and on through the land. Until now, it is somewhat subdued. He comes near the end of his life and ministry, and there's a challenge again, because the challenge and the answer response that we make to the challenge is not a once and for all answer. It is something that must be done in each generation. It's something that must be done all through our lifetime. 
Now let me clarify that by saying the commitment to Jesus Christ to make him our Savior and Lord is a once and for all commitment. We can only be saved one time. But we can be filled with the Holy Spirit many times. We are leaky vessels. And we receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. And He fills our heart with joy and love. And if anybody asks us the question, whom will you serve? We walk down the aisle saying, I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus. And we have no hesitance following the Lord in baptism. But as we go in the life of Christ, we become tainted with the things of the world. It's around us. Like the poet said, the world is too much with us, getting and spending. And we're just always rubbing elbows with the things and the philosophies and the ideologies of the world. And so there must come time and time again when the question is faced, who will you serve? How long halt ye between two opinions? Is what Elijah said to the people of God in Ahab's day. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord. Now why would he say anything like that? Remember Joshua loved the people. He was not fussing at them. He was not lambasting them. He didn't have a hatchet going around trying to cut their heads off. He was speaking this with a great challenge of heartache and heartbreak and love. And he was saying, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord. Now why would he say that? Because they, so much like us, and we, so much like them, get our eyes off the Lord. And we live in a world that hates God. Its philosophies are against God. Its theology is against God. Its sociology is against God. Is this vile world a friend to grace to lead me on to God? No, I must fight. If I would reign, increase my courage, Lord. And so we have to face again and again the question, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods on the other side of the river, that is the other side of the Euphrates River, back before Abraham ever came out of Ur of the Chaldees, would you serve those kind of gods? Would you go back to the old things? And we have to face that. Would we go back to the old way? Jack Holcomb used to sing a song, Back to the Old Ways. I will not go. Back to the old world. Oh, Lord, no. And the other country songwriter write, wrote, and I like it, I wish we'd sing it here more, where could I go but to the Lord? But so many times, all of us, and especially is this true, and I, my heart goes out to young people. I love young people. Sometimes we put on a spot, but do you know in the New Testament days, there were no second generation Christians. Everybody was first generation. There were no children growing up in the homes of people who were Christians because those first young people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ in that first generation 
And what we read in the New Testament is first-generation New Testament Christianity, and they loved God with all their soul and mind and strength and heart, and they were willing to go. Now, we don't have much of a record of what happened when their children came along. We do know that the Scripture instructed them to teach the children in the way they should go. And we have some examples of children coming to know the Lord and young people coming to know the Lord. Matter of fact, one of the great examples of a great young person who came to know the Lord, know the Lord was John the Apostle, about 17 years old when he got saved, when he came to Jesus. But he was a first-generation Christian. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. And sometimes we have young people growing up in a Christian home and they take the Christian faith for granted. And they say, well, that's the faith of my mother and daddy. Uh, that's just the church that I've grown up in and that's what they believe. I've heard some people say, well, you know, I can't go to that dance because uh, my church says they don't believe in dancing. That's a poor reason. It's a better reason than nothing, but I'd say it's a poor reason. <laughs> there must be some conviction in the heart. And so young people themselves who have become Christians in a second or third or fourth generation of Christian homes must come to grips with this question, what then am I going to do about it? Who will I serve? If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, and to serve the Lord, we're going to see in a moment, takes some real spiritual strategy. Now, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Would you go back to the old ways? Would you go back to the Ur of the Chaldees or the Sumerians? Go back there to those pagan things? And we would say that today. Do you know that most of our ancestors ran naked through the Balkan countries when down in Greece and Rome they were already civilized? Now some of you may be from Italy. You may be from the Near East, Israel, you may be from, from uh, Greece. Most of us date our ancestries from the German and the Scottish and the English descent. And when the Grecians and the Romans and even the Egyptians had an advanced civilization, these people were running around sort of uncivilized. And it was the gospel of Jesus Christ that moved in and changed their lives. And so the question is today, would you really indeed go back to what, you, what your ancestors had? That's the question that's being asked here. Would you go back to the time before Ur, to all that paganism? Well, if you don't want to do that, would you go to the gods of the land in which you live? And that's what his next question is. He says, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, our ancestors' gods, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. <laughs> now I want to ask you, whose land do we dwell in today? Is this, now really, is this God's land? We like to say it. I, 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 we drove through the countryside the other day, and I, I was just filled with gratitude with all the beauty of God's world. This is a beautiful time of the year, and we live in a beautiful state. I, I don't think I've ever been anywhere in the world that has more beautiful scenery than Kentucky and Tennessee. It's beautiful. And I just thank the Lord for the beauty, beautiful trees, beautiful rocks, all of it. Beautiful. 
Now, that's not what I'm talking about as far as the God of this world is concerned, though. Who is the God of this world? The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. And so when this question is asked, would you serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, the question might be, would you serve the, land, would you serve the God of all the philosophies and sociologists, sociology that we live in today? Would you serve their God? And their God is a God of corruption, a God of impurity, a God of sex, a, a dog-eat-dog God, a kind of world that says, I don't care what it costs, I'm going to get ahead of somebody else, even if I have to stomp them under my foot. And the age-old question comes, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, whom will you serve? Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Go back to your ancestors' gods? Oh, no. Lord, I don't want to go back to paganism. You want to go to the gods of this world? Do you know? Listen. Some people have said, yes, that's what I want. And that's what they've been doing. Kneeling before the altars of the god of this world. The god of avarice. E pluribus unum. Money, 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 money. I gotta have it. I know we live in a 1988. We don't live in the 1930s or more anymore, or the 1940s or the 1950s, and I'm sure that some young people get tired of hearing those depression years thrown up to you. <laughs> you say, well, we're not back in the 30s anymore. We're in the 80s. That's right. But principles are principles no matter what year, right or wrong. Now we're living in a day when the foundations are rumbling. And the principles that God's people have held powerfully important all through the years are being scrapped as if they were nothing. Parents, I want to talk to your heart for just a moment. You, you may not like what I'm going to say. God bless you. I love you. I'm not saying this to be hurtful. If I had a son or daughter, I would not let him work on Sunday. At any of these places, McDonald's or, or Crystal's or, uh, any of the, or Houchins or any of these other places. I went to see the Houchins people when they started opening on Sunday because I had preached to you for years that we had traded Houchins because they didn't open on Sunday. I was awfully sorry they started doing that. But I will tell you, I wouldn't let them do that. Now, I'm talking about junior and senior high people. As you grow older and you get in college, college students have to make some decisions for themselves. Their parents can't tell them what to do any longer at that age. Plus, they're getting into a, a world where they're going to have to determine that they are out on their own trying to make a living and they may, just like some adults, have to have jobs that work on Sunday. My dad worked on the railroad, and for years and years and years, he had to go out 
all kinds of the day, all kinds of the week, and so on. The telephones have to operate on Sunday. The railroad cars have to go on Sunday. I'm not, I'm not living in a dream world. I don't have my head stuck in the sand as if we lived back in the dark ages. I'm aware of where we live. I'm talking to parents of teenagers. It is so vitally important for junior and senior high school students to keep Sunday clear so they can be in God's house. Our world says, well, that doesn't make a hill of beans difference. Everybody does it. But I want to tell you, God gave you, parents, a responsibility, an awesome responsibility to keep, as long as those kids were under your roof, to keep them in the house of God. Choose you whom you will serve. I'm not telling you how to be saved. I'm talking about after you're saved, serving the Lord. And that's what Joshua is talking about. Choose you whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, because the Lord's service has some standards. The Lord's service is high and lofty and lifted up. We're living in an age, and I say this as gently and graciously and kindly as I can, and you wouldn't like me if I didn't tell you the convictions that God gives me from my heart. We're living in an age when we've turned Sunday into ball game day. Beloved, this is, this is that's wicked. And you may, you may sit there and say, well, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Wake up, you're in 1988. This is the world of the Olympics and so on. The world of the Olympics was also true in Paul's day. I just want to remind you, some of you have not been here before, and you haven't heard me say this, but I've said it a lot of times, and you others of you can turn it off. When I was growing up, Roger, Bob, Jean, and Edith. My two sisters are school teachers, and my two brothers are preachers. When we were growing up, we were sinners just like everybody else, and we were just sinners saved by grace. And Mother had a tough time with us. Dad sometimes had a tough time with us. He didn't have his tough time because he knew how to, well, he just dealt with strongly. Incidentally, if, I, if, we, if any of us have ever had a problem at school or church, you can just write it down in your book. They never call the school or the church and jump down the preacher's throat or the school teacher's throat or the principal's throat and say, what have you done to my little Johnny or my little Richard? When we got home, we got a whipping. No matter whose fault it was. And we learned to respect authority. And I wish parents would do that today. I don't understand parents taking little Dickie's part and saying, my poor little old Pete, my poor little old Bill, He's been mistreated at school. He hadn't been mistreated. Probably hadn't been treated nearly as bad as he ought to have been treated. Anyway, in those early years, when Sunday came, we had a routine. Sometimes my mother was sick and not able to go to church. But she usually took us or got us sent somehow. But when we got home from church, she had, and we had a sacrificial kind of meal. Sometimes we had beans. And we, I always like ketchup on those beans. Still do. 
Occasionally, we'd have roast beef and mashed potatoes, and I really learned to love that. But we'd always have a dinner. We'd sit down together. Nobody could leave until we all got through. There was none of this coming in and tasting and going over here and listening to the radio or watching television or something. We all sat there. It was a ceremony. And then when that was finished, Mother would say, Now, today's Sunday. It's not fun day. It's not movie day. It's not uh, ball game day. She said, You've got three choices. You can either take a nap or you can listen to the symphony or you can write a letter. And while you listen to the symphony, you can read the Bible. That's what we did on Sunday afternoon. You say, that's boring. Well, it didn't hurt us too much. It poured some principles in our lives. Right after dinner, Charles E. Fuller and the Old Fashioned Revival Hour came on about 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon. When that was over, the symphony came on. And we knew immediately what we needed to do. Take a nap, write a letter, read a book, read the Bible, whatever. Now, folks, that didn't really warp people's personality. Some of the kids here are sort of rubbing their feet, saying, I wish he'd hurry up and get through this part. And moms and dads, you may think I'm an old stickler, and you may say, well, that's crazy. I don't like what he's saying. That's all right, but I'm just telling you, Sunday is the Lord's Day. It isn't picture show day. It isn't ball game day. And the best ball game that could come on in the whole world, no matter how exciting it would be, if you're God's child and you want to serve Him and you want to serve the Lord with all your heart and mind and soul, I don't believe you'll be at the ball game. That's what I think. And so you have to serve the Lord. You have to choose whom you're going to serve. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose whom you will serve. You're going back to the paganism? Or are you going to the God of this world, which most people take as their standard today? The God of this world. You say, well, preacher, I don't know anybody else that preaches like that. Well, bless their hearts. I wish they would. It's not my fault they don't. That's what the Word of God says. And I'm, I'm, I'm just saying to you, the God of this world has eaten up God's people so that the world has become a little bit churchy and the church has become exceedingly worldly and most people can't tell who's what. Corruption. Dog-eat-dog world. Communism. Do you know we're so imbued with communism? Socialism and communism are cousins. Maybe they're brothers. They may be twin brothers. And we're so imbued with it that our whole system is drifting to the left. And communism and socialism both are anti-God. Socialism says man is basically a material creature. Communism says man belongs to the state. And whatever is good for the state will be good for the man. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that man belongs to God. 
and, the, and that the economies of the world have no right at all to pass laws that would interrupt the direct access of a man's heart to the heart of God. Confusion. We live in an age of humanism. The basic tenets of secular humanism, there is no God. The, university is self, the universe is self-existing and not created. Man is a part of nature and has emerged as a result of progressive evolution. Man's religious experience is best fulfilled in the religion of secular humanism. Existing acquisitive and profit-motivated society is uh, inadequate and a radical change must be instituted. A socialized economic order must be established. Ethics is situational and there are no moral absolutes. Now this is confusing humanism. And, 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 and the God of this world has sold us this bill of goods. What we need today is somebody who say, well, I don't want to go back to the pagan gods of my ancestors. Nor do I want to serve the God of this world. I want to serve the Lord God. That's what Joshua was saying. Now, who are you going to serve? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Now, the only way we can serve the Lord God is through Jesus Christ. We don't serve the Lord God by saying no to humanism and no to secularism and no to Sunday amusements and no to all the, the sexual improprieties that would come tempting and knocking at our doors. That's not the way we become. That's not the way we really serve the Lord. We serve the Lord by looking through all that malaise and looking to Jesus and seeing that Jesus came in a world that had disdain for God and Jesus said, hey world, God loves you. He loves you. He's not got a hatchet in his hand trying to knock you in the head. God loves you. And all these things that he's told you are just for your benefit and your best. God loves you so much. Wherever you are today, whoever you are, whatever your situation, I want to submit to you, God loves you more than I could ever paint on a canvas. I know, yes, I know that God loves me so. He sits by the window while the long ages roll, where an eon of time is the brush of his hand, yet the king of all kings seeks the love of each man. Should the light of the sun in time flicker and die and the earth wander off like a tramp through the sky, the darkness can't hide me. He'll find me, I know, for men are his diamonds. And he loves me so. What is your guilt? God loves you. What is your habit? God loves you. What is your depression? God loves you. What is your discouragement? God loves you. And Joshua, calling out from the vantage point years and years and years before Calvary, stood on that hill and he said, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose whom you will serve. All the taskmasters that would drag you down and hurt you and destroy you, or are you going to serve the Lord who wants to elevate you and lift you? And he came close to pointing down from the mountaintops to Calvary to saying, there's Jesus. He has come to say God loves you. And if you look at the nail prints in his hands, 
You see how much God loves you? He took all your guilt and all your shame and all your sin in his own body. And he died for you because he loves you. He wants to be your personal sin bearer and savior. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. But you have to open the door. There are no slaves in the kingdom. There aren't any draftees either. Everybody's a volunteer. We have given invitations time and time again, and we've seen a volunteer come here and a volunteer come here and somebody come here. I asked Lee Kennedy just before the service, I said, Lee, are you saved? And bless Lee's heart, he asked me that every once in a while. I asked him and he said, yes, and he began to tell me about a day in uh, 1955, about 12 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and the preacher was preaching on the Good Shepherd when Jesus came into his heart and saved him. And Lee Kennedy became a volunteer and walked down an aisle and said, here's my life, Jesus. You have done the same thing. You've volunteered to be God's servant. You said, I want to serve the Lord. Now, have you re-volunteered lately? <laughs> have you heard that voice again saying, if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, wait a minute, Lord, it's not evil to serve me, serve you. I love you. Well, wait a minute, you're not serving me so much. You've gotten all mixed up in the things of the world. Well, Lord, I didn't mean to do that. Well, if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, do you want to go back to paganism? Do you want to go back to the gods of the Oh, no, Lord! Then choose you this day whom you will serve. And so I would ask you that today. Who will you serve? Some of you have never yielded your life to Jesus Christ. You've never given your heart to Him. You could do it today. You could come when we begin the invitation in a moment and say, I want to give my heart to Christ. I don't want to be lost. I want to be saved. I know that Jesus was God. He came in the form of man. He took upon himself all of our sins. He died on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, he arose from the grave and he's a living Savior. And I invite him to come and live in me. Would you do that today? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of prayer. We thank Thee for every person who has come into the house of God today. We ask that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction and draw men and women and boys and girls to a confidence and faith and trust in Jesus. That every saved person here would say, Lord, I want to choose to serve You. I love You. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Is that page 249? Page 249. We want to sing that. And as we sing it, is there somebody here who would say, Lord, I want you in my heart. I don't want to be lost. I want to be saved. Or Lord, I haven't... I just heard God speak to me some way today and there's a commitment I ought to make to Jesus. Would you come? And maybe someone is here whose membership is in another church and God wants you at Glendale. Will you come? While we begin to sing, is there somebody who will come for Christ today?